Hi guys, it's Phil here. The regular pod will be back in a few weeks, but in the meantime, we thought we'd give you a taste of a new podcast from The Athletic called The Moment. It's a show with Kelly Cates and Jeff Thomas speaking to footballers who've faced moments of adversity in their lives. This episode is with Saul Bamba, who talks openly and honestly about being diagnosed with cancer, non-Hodgkin lymphoma, back in 2021, and how he battled from diagnosis through chemo to get back on the pitch in just five months. Give it a listen, and if you want to hear more stories from the likes of Gary Lineker, Troy Townsend and others, just search for The Moment wherever you get your podcasts. The Athletic. Can you remember the one moment that changed your life forever? The moment that put everything in perspective. I'm Kelly Cates. And I'm Jeff Thomas. And in this series, we're sharing the stories of sports people who've experienced and overcome moments of adversity. This is The Moment. In 2003, after a 20-year career in football, playing for the likes of Crystal Palace, Wolves and England, I was diagnosed with chronic myeloid leukaemia. I was given just three months to live. But after two years of treatment and a stem cell transplant, I overcame the disease. Our guests will share how their lives have been shaped by times of adversity and how those experiences have made them the people they are today. I wanted to speak to fellow sports people to find out how, like me, they overcame these moments. In this episode... When you get sick, it definitely changes the way you see life and your perspective in your life as well. And... uh, I have to say similar, it was the same for me. You know, I see I see a lot of things differently and I definitely think uh, you have to make the most of it now, for sure. Sol Bamba is a very familiar face to football fans, having spells at Dunfermline, Hibernian, Leicester, Leeds, Cardiff City and now Middlesbrough, after beginning his career at Paris Saint-Germain in his native France. He played every single game of the Bluebirds' campaign to seal Premier League promotion in 2018, a rock in the heart of their defence. But in January 2021, his world was turned upside down when he was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. We spoke to Sol in May 2021, as he had just played his first game back after five months of gruelling treatment. And we're pleased to report that since we had this conversation, Sol has received the all clear and is cancer free. Well, Sol, thanks so much for, for joining us. Um, I just want to start by taking you back to, to the end of, of last year, sort of pre-diagnosis, and just, just ask you how you were sort of feeling in yourself, if you felt you had any symptoms, if there was anything that you were you were concerned about. Uh, yeah, it wasn't any symptom, but I had, um, I had a sore back on my left hand side. Um, I never think anything of it really, you know. I've been, a, I've been playing a lot of game. I never played any game where I wasn't feeling any pain. So for me, it was just a normal sore back. Um, the only worry that I would say is at night it was very, very sharp, and uh, I couldn't move. I couldn't sleep. It, I was sort of paralyzed sometimes in the middle of the night. Um, but in the morning it was alright. So I was going to training and. 
you know, just said to the medical staff, I've got a pair of soul bags, they worked on it. And I went through it for, 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 for two and a half months and never never told anything of it. And uh, uh, one night it was too much. And I said to the doctor, I can't carry on like that. Um, so he asked uh, the gaffer if it was okay for me to, you know, to no training or no getting involved with him so we can look a bit further. Uh, so that's what we did. And that's how we found out uh, it was cancer. But there's, a, there's a couple of things there. One is, as you say, that as a footballer, you're used to playing with aches and pains and at that stage you're what 35 so you think well maybe I'm getting a bit older and that's coming but the, yeah. the other the other thing is that men are notoriously bad at reporting their their symptoms yeah absolutely bang on Kelly and I think it's a bit of both for me you're absolutely right I think is uh it's my age you know just I was just feeling feeling my age really but at the same time as well you're absolutely right I think we I think it's a bit of a proud ego you know, we don't we don't like to say it when we when we feel bad or when we're down, and I think that's a big problem. And I'm guilty of that as well. And uh, I have to say, you know, that's a good opportunity for me to to come out and say it like publicly or, and and to to people, don't be afraid of it. You know, there's no shame behind it to ask for help. And um, and I think that's the message I can uh, I can give uh, if to any men out there. You know, when you fear anything, don't don't be afraid to ask for help. So when at, at the club they said we want to look into this a bit further, was there any discussion? about what it could be that they were they were looking for uh, no not at all I think um, and I think that's another uh, side of the story if you like because you know I have to say you know my family was a bit disappointed or even upset they didn't they didn't pick it up before but I have to say I, I backed the club if you like because you know you never think of anything like like this will happen and you know you used to knee injury or uh, muscle injury but you never think about cancer. So, you know, we just we just looked further. We thought it was a sore back and um, we don't know the scan and we didn't see anything. And when we, the doctor decided to do a PET scan and that's when we found out it was a big mass of nine centimeters, like just sitting down on my left-hand side. And then they realized that could be cancer. So we done a biopsy and uh, that's that's how we, we we found that it was a it was a cancer was that a lymph gland that had been inflamed that was a lymphoma jeff yeah yeah and was that the first time that cancer had been mentioned to you yeah absolutely and even that Kelly, i think you know i think i said it before even when it happened when the doctor called me to give me the news he didn't even mention it and i i said to him um why are you quiet is that because it's cancer and he started crying and um and he said to me he said to me yes and uh, i said doc listen you know it's it's nothing you could you could do you know i just have to go through it so i went to meet him the next day and we talked about it but even to give me the news it was too much for him and he couldn't say it and that's telling you how much i think the business we in you never the football you never think about cancer at all you know even when we know he is the doctor couldn't even say it to me. So I think that's some... So this, this is your club doctor? Yeah, this is the club doctor, yes. So, so I, you've I, got a relationship with this guy anyway. It's not like a new doctor giving this, this bad news. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And that's telling you everything about it, Jeff, I think, because, listen, it's not to put many blame on, on him, but I do think we need to look further to make sure things like this never happen again. Or we pick it up before, um, because, you know, even like you said, I've got very, very good relationship with the doc. And even though he couldn't tell me uh, it was a cancer, so I think we need to we need to break all those barriers and all that that taboo. We don't want to talk about it, and we have to we have to make sure that it never happen again. But the the other thing that's happening there is that you're consoling the man who's giving you the news 
that you have have cancer. So how do you, how do you deal with it when you're having to deal with him being upset? Yeah, I think uh, I think it's a bit it's strange because um, we, we we really have a very good relationship, and uh, the dog uh, Len Knox lost his daughter a couple of years ago. Uh, so I was with him through all those tough period and I went to the hospital to see his daughter I, I used to know his daughter as well I have to say so we got that relationship it was very very difficult for him to tell me that uh, especially after everything he'd been through uh, but I said that to him I said doc listen you know you just have to we just have to, to to deal with it and get on with it you know but you're right I think it hit me at some point because I'm like that I'm confident I'm positive and I've got I've got good person uh, character but I think after when I had the news and I have to tell my family, my kids, um, and I don't know how they're going to react, it, it did hit me and um, and it was difficult to take. But I can't I can't put any blame to to the doctor or the or the Cardiff medical staff. I'm, I'm smiling here, listening to you, actually thinking about your doctor's feelings, and it's just it's amazing that your reaction to that. But that's what I was just about to say. My personal experience, the toughest part was actually talking to. My wife and the kids. Yeah. How how was that the first time you had to mention that word? Oh, that was tough, Jeff. I have to say, the thing is, all that happened as well before Christmas. I was in a hospital Christmas Eve. It's meant to be like a festive period, you know, with the kids, with the family, and uh, I have to t- I have to tell everyone uh, a, a bad news. So um, I came back home after that after the scan and after that phone call I had with the doc, and I sat my my wife down and I said to her, "Don't panic." So she panicked. <laughs> And um, I've said uh, I've got cancer, and she just, she just, it was so difficult for her, uh, and that made it difficult for me. And I said to her straight away, you know, I know it's hard, um, especially when you heard the C words, but I'm going to go through it. And for this, I need you to be strong because if you know, I'm not going to be able to do it. So she was, and she she did very well. To be fair, I have to give her credit, but I think. Um, me telling her and the kids because that's what I said to her after I said how are we going to say it to the kids because you know the way I am I always joke I always laugh and the kids see me that way and now I have to have that serious conversation with them and I didn't know how to do it and it was the same with my mum my mum living in France you know I've got three brother three sisters well living there and I didn't know how I'm going to tell them and that was the hardest part I have to say Jeff to tell the family the kids um, I was sick. That was very, very difficult. How old are your children, son? Uh, 17, 14, and 9. So they are old enough. To... Oh, yeah, yeah. They could, they, they're old enough to understand. And uh, I think what was very, very hard, if I have to say, is when I said that to them, uh, the first question my two girls said, they were young, the, the youngest ones, they said, uh, oh, dad, are you going to die? And that was tough. That was very, very tough. And I have to, I have to tell them the truth. I have to say, well, is a possibility because you never know, um, but hopefully it will be. It, it won't happen. But I asked the doctor their opinion. How can I said that to the kids? Because I don't want to lie to them. I don't want them. I want to tell everything, the whole truth to them. And the doctors was very good because she did said, you know, just be honest with them. You know, they will understand because you like it or not, they go into school or they can go to internet and check. And if they've seen something and you didn't tell them, it could be bad. So I wanted to be honest with them from, from minute one. And uh, that was tough, to be fair, because it was some very, very difficult moment. I can hear them sometimes crying. But in front of me being strong, because, you know, as I said, I said to them to be strong for me. Uh, and I think that was part of my mistake, Jeff, I have to say, because, you know, you, you have to let people express themselves. And if they're feeling down, 
they should be able to come to me and said, I feel down today. But because looking back now, because I said to them to be strong for me, I think a lot of times they were sad or, or down and they didn't tell me because I said that to them. And when I think about this, I think that was my mistake. And, uh, and I will, I will apologize to them, to be fair, because I, I think that was definitely a mistake. But from the, the way that you describe yourself and the way that you come across as a sort of confident, as you said, someone who's always sort of laughing and, and joking and the strong person in that group, you, you can understand how that's a, it's a difficult switch to make to be the person in the family who then needs support and needs help. It's understandable that you would, you would find that transition difficult. Yeah, you're right, Kelly, but I think, like I said, my mistake was because I like to think, like you said, I'm ahead of the family, so I have to look after everyone and I don't want people to see me weak. But that's that's wrong because we said it before, men are proud and they don't they don't they don't want to tell people when they're down or when they need help. And I'm guilty of it, like I said before. So I should have I should have said to my wife and to the kids or to my mom and dad or friends and everyone at the club will help me. When I was feeling down, I needed them to tell me it's going to be okay or to be there for me to just have a chat. And um, and I didn't do that. And, you know, sometimes sometimes you need it. And, and through those five months, I, I, I definitely needed it. Did you actually reach out to anybody when you was first diagnosed? Because for me personally, I was looking for any positive. So did anybody make contact with you? Uh, a, few, a lot of people made contact with me. Yeah, you're right. I think uh, um, Simeon Petrov, we went through yeah. a similar. He got in touch with me. He was absolutely brilliant. Um, he was the goalkeeper as well from Wolves. Carl um, Akimi. Carl Akimi, thank you, Jeff. Uh, he got in touch as well. Uh, very, very good uh, with me through, through the five months. Uh, and that was a big help. And I have to say, I'd, uh, at that time, our manager was um, Neil Harris. And Neil Harris went, uh, went, um, had the testicle cancer as well. So... I was I was fortunate he was my manager at the time because he went through the similar situation. He, he was he was there to help me and the missus and uh, and he was very, very good. And I have to say it's important to have people like that, Jeff, I think, because when you first find out about this, you don't know who to talk to. And it's I think it's important to have someone who understands it, who's going through it or went through it. So you can understand where you, how you're feeling sometimes. And I think uh, it was very, very important for me. Those people were there for me. We were talking about this before we started this conversation. You didn't just have this, you had the fear of COVID as well. Absolutely, yeah. You know, as soon as, soon as your body's under attack from something like this, it leaves you vulnerable. But then you've got the problem of COVID. So going to the, to the hospital itself would have been quite fearful I would imagine yeah absolutely Jeff and I think I didn't realize that at the time to be honest and that's what the the, the, the doctor said to me they said you know if it wasn't COVID we will let you do a bit more you know go out and even go to see the lads at training to make sure you know mentally you stay strong as well but because of COVID we need to be careful because of the the, the, the chemotherapy we don't know how the chemo is going to react if you catch COVID so yeah looking back you're right I think it wasn't it's, it's never a good time to have any type of cancer, but I think the the last eighteen months with COVID as well, it didn't help. But I was fortunate; I didn't I didn't catch COVID, and I managed to go through treatment without any any major uh, problem. Really, how did the treatment affect you? It was tough, Kelly. It was very tough because before I went into, it, I had no idea, you know, what what I was uh, what I was uh, going to go through. But the first one scared me. I have to say um, because I've done it, and for four days nonstop, I was in bed, like sleeping. Couldn't get out of bed, couldn't eat, couldn't drink. I was just in bed upstairs. And 
you know, me once again want to be strong and want to uh, 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 see the kids and the missus. So I was coming down to the living room just to be with them and watch TV. But actually, I was just completely knocked out. And my missus said, "Go to bed. You can't do it. Listen to your body. Just go. Just go upstairs." And for four days nonstop, I was I was completely gone. And I was saying to myself, "I, I, I have six to do," and I said, "I can't do the another five. You know." I don't know how I'm going to go through that. Uh, but after four days, I start picking up again and feeling a bit better. But when it was time to do the second one, I, I freaked out. You know, I've got no problem to say, say that now. Um, the night before, I said to my missus, I don't want to go, you know, because it's, it's too much. Uh, but she said, no, I know that you have to go through it and it's going to be okay and all that. And um, eventually went there and done it. And same similar pattern. It was two or three days where it was tough. And after I was, I was, I was picking up again. So you know, it was very, very difficult. But uh, I'm glad he's he's uh, behind me now. Yeah, such a, a, a difficult thing to go through. And like you said, you're you're in that sort of family situation, and and you're looking for support. But because you have family in France who can't travel, yeah, you, you had your family in Cardiff around you, but but not the kind of extended support network, maybe. Yeah, and that was tough, Kelly, because um, we're very close as well. I've got three brothers and three sisters, my mum and dad back in Paris, and we're very, very close. And um, my mum come and visit me every time because she worked at school, uh, our school and she used to come and visit me every time it's half term. But obviously, because of COVID, uh, she didn't manage to do that. And I got sick. So for mum, it was very, very hard. She was on the phone every day, bless her, uh, checking if I was okay. Uh, my brother and sister as well, we always get on the phone and talk about the games and all that. And uh, it was tough for them. But I have to say, unfortunately, they didn't know how to deal with it as well because, you know, they were like, oh, we're just going to leave him alone because he's sick and we don't want to, you know, be on, him, on, his, on his back too much. But that's why I needed it, Gilly. You know, I needed them to be there and just text me sometimes. And, you know, but they were all quiet. It was only mom who was, we were on the phone. And I said that to them once, you know, we got a group chat between, between the brothers. And I said to them, talk to me because that's what I need. And talk to me as normal. You can ask me if I'm okay, which is fine, and I will tell you the truth. And after we talk about football, we talk about you kids, we talk about anything you want to do, uh, talk about. And they were like, yeah, no, no, you're right, because, you know, it's a bit awkward because we don't know how, how to deal with it. You know, and, and, and I think that, that affects the whole family when something like that happened to you because, you know, nobody, nobody got the answer. You know, you don't know what to do. You don't know how to, to deal with it. You don't know how they're going to react or how I'm going to react, you know. So it was tough. And the fact they weren't there as well, because mom said she, she would have come here and stayed with me for the four, five months. Unfortunately, she couldn't do it. But I spoke to her early on and uh, she's, uh, she's she's fine. But it was it was tough. It was very, very tough. And what about your teammates? So? Oh, they were brilliant, Jeff. I have to say they were very, very good, you know, um, checking on me all the time. Um, I was fortunate I could... The doctor gave me the permission to go and see them, obviously with social distances and make sure I had the mask. But they were very, very good. Just going there in the dressing room and see them training and uh, and they didn't feel sorry for me. They were still giving me grief and banter, everything, you know, <laughs> which is yeah. good because that's what I needed to be fair, Jeff. And yeah. you know, they were absolutely fine. Just ask me if I was okay. And the minute I said yes, it was back to normal. You know, they were very good. And that helped because I needed to, to feel part of them uh, even if I wasn't in the just room and, and games. So, you know, I have to say the, the whole club was magnificent, but the, the, the teammate was very, very important for me. So were you ever frightened? When the girls asked me if I'm going to die, that hit me, Kelly, I'm not going to lie. And that was, that was difficult. And that's the only time I, I thought about it. And I said, you know what, there's a possibility I can, I, I can be gone there, you know. 
Um, but after that, very quickly, you know, positive again and said, no, I'm, I have to go through it. Uh, I am going to go through it. I've got all the support I need and I've got the family and the, the doctor, the NHS was magnificent as well. And um, and I never really thought about it, but it did cross my mind, yeah, I, I have to be honest. When was the first point you, you really got positive? You, you thought, right, this is it now. This is when I've got to turn this round. Can you remember that moment? Yeah, actually, Jeff, the minute the doctor told me that when I was on the phone, obviously I took care and I said, well, I have to find a way to say it to my kids, to the mum, to the, to the whole family, to my teammate, because they didn't know at the time. And that's going to be tough. But after that, I need to... I need to look at forward, what is the next stage to get better? And obviously straight away, as I said, the kid, you have to go through chemotherapy. Uh, I never questioned it, but I looked um, what, what else can, have, could, can be done for me to feel better. Uh, but straight away, I was, I was positive and I was like, you know, I'm going to go through it. I'm going to play again. Uh, if I don't play, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do everything so I can start uh, coaching. Uh, but I was, I was looking forward always because I never really thought, um, that would affect me too much. Uh, apart when my kids asked me the question, um, but straight away I was looking. I was looking ahead. It was a very, very couple of difficult moments, of course, and that that put a few doubt on my head. I'm not gonna lie, and I'm, I was like, you know, stop it. I'm, I'm, did I want to carry on playing? Did I want to, you know, wake up and uh, get out of bed? You know, I'm sick after all. But after that, after after. That thought, if you like, for, for a couple of minutes, straight away was the, the, the positive was coming back. You mentioned that you had a couple of cycles where you felt a bit down. When, what cycle did you start thinking, this is actually working? And this, you know, when you start looking at it differently? It was after, after the, the second uh, chemotherapy session, um, because the, the first one, like I said, four days I was gone. The second one, it was only two, two or three, if, I, if you like. So I could see I was getting better. And um, and after a couple of bad days, the better days was better. And every time it was getting better and better. So I managed to go to gym. I managed to go for, 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 for a couple of runs outside. Um, so I could see I was getting better. So it was it was very early on after the second chemotherapy. And obviously, the, it was three weeks between every, 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 every session. So it was early February where I knew I'm going to get better and I, and I need to look ahead. And that's when I start planning as well and said, like, if everything goes well, like it, like it, like it look like, I will try to go back playing before the season is over. And if no, I'm going to do the badges and do that and do that to be ready to, for the end. After say thanks God, it, it, it all work out. You talked about the, the sort of emotional support that, that you needed and the kind of emotional support that you needed. But you mentioned there, you know, feeling well enough to go for a run or feeling well enough to go for the gym. Was that a big part of, of keeping on top of it in a way to try and, um, and, and keeping yourself feeling mentally healthy? Absolutely. And that's, 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 that was the key for me, I have to say, Kelly, because mentally is, is a, a, a part on it physically. And I think I need it. I need a sort of routine because for 20 years now, I've been going to training and, you know, going to games and all of a sudden you're at home and you don't have to do all this. But that was not right for my head and for my body. I wasn't used to that. So what was important is to know to do too much and listen to my body when I was tired to rest. But at the same time, I needed, I don't know, two days in a week where I was going to the gym or going for the run. Because if I didn't do that, I would have gone crazy, I have to say. And that kept me going. And I think it was important to have a routine. But most importantly, I think mentally, it was it was huge for me to be able to do what I love doing, you know, going for a run, going for gym and feeling myself again, even if I wasn't on the pitch, feeling like I'm not 
my body not letting me down, if you like, and I can I can carry on doing a, doing a few things and uh, and keep me going really. While you're you're having the treatment, as awful as it is, you're you're kind of keeping on top of the cancer. You're you're fighting it, if you like, which is not always the right word to use. But there is a you know you are you are treating the the cancer while you're having treatment. So when it finished, when you had your last cycle of chemotherapy, how did you feel at the end? Oh, I was relief, definitely relief, because for me, I was convinced as well that was the last one, because it's always a chance where, you know, it's not completely gone and you have to go again, like another cycle, doing maybe one or two. But for some reason, I was very, very confident it would be the, it would be the last one. And the nurse was fantastic as well. They all wear my Cardiff shirt on support. Uh, they were convinced as well it was the last one. And, uh, and it was very emotional because, you know, we got both of them, the nurse and me, we have that sort of routine. I was coming every, every, every um, Tuesday, every, 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 every three weeks, every Tuesday, as they were waiting for me, you know, we we're chatting about everything and, uh, and all suddenly stopped for a good reason, because obviously I don't need to go for the treatment again. And, um, and it was very emotional. And even the people there will get treatment as well. You get to know them. So, you know, you talk with them and they were all clapping me and said, uh, that's definitely the last one. And we're happy we're not going to see you again. You know, it was, uh, it was very, very emotional. And um, I was convinced that would have been the, that would have been the last one as well. So did you have a, a date in the future in the next couple of months where the doctors rang you up and said, that's it? it is, you're clear of this now? And I didn't have the dates um, at that time. Uh, I just knew my last chemotherapy would be on the 21st, I think, of April. And from that on, I have to wait three weeks to do a PET scan. And uh, after the PET scan, I'm going to have the result. Um, but I never had, you know, the, the, the date where I'm going to be completely clear. But you look into that, you know, uh, we put down the calendar with the family. And um, and after after each session, we were saying this, oh, it's one more to go or two more to go. And uh, and we're looking forward to it. And when, when, when the last one came in, um, we were all relieved and happy. And, um, and we're looking forward to the PET scan. I've done the PET scan, actually. Uh, and I'm waiting for the result anytime now. Through the the, the treatment, you, you talked there about the, the support that you got, particularly at the end when everybody was was clapping you in in, in the hospital. Um, that decision to go public with with your diagnosis and, and and the fact that you were going to be undergoing treatment was that something that you had to think very hard about? Yeah, absolutely, Kelly. I think it was it was a couple of things there because I was going to the hospital um, regularly anyway before. Uh, it came public and Cardiff is a small town everyone know each other so even with a mask you know I'm quite tall as well uh, so I was getting recognized so I think it was difficult because I needed to make sure all my family knew about it before it got public because I couldn't know imagine if you went out and I didn't tell my mom my mom would have gone crazy um, so it was important for me to to get public before any of my family Sorry, my family found out this way instead of me telling them. And what was good as well is Neil Harris, like I said before, he was the manager at the time. And unfortunately, he had that problem. He went to the hospital and he got recognized and his situation got leaked. And his mom, yeah, his mom found out that way. And he said to me, that was horrible. So he said to me, like, whatever you whatever you want to do it, I will support you. But you, you honestly need to be careful while you're doing because you know everyone know you in, in Cardiff. Um, you, you, you need to you need to think about that. So it was a difficult it was difficult um, decision to make. But me and the family, it was very clear we have we needed to make that decision pretty quickly because we didn't want it to get leaked. You know, so 
that's why we decided to, to go public about it. And having done that, did it help? Did you did you realise that there would be the the sort of amount of support that you you received? Oh no, oh Kelly, that was crazy. Even now, when I think about it, I, I still can't believe it. You know, it was crazy. And like you said, it does help because you just realise how a lot of people support you and 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 like you. I even said to my 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 mum, I can't believe how many <laughs> you know support I received. You know, she said, oh maybe you've done something good. You know. Uh, and honestly, Kelly was crazy. Uh, until that day, I will, I can never thank everyone enough. You know, it, it, and it does help people. I, I don't think people realize, even having like a simple message or um, good luck or I hope everything goes well, and it's massive. You know, you read that and you like, you know, it's, it's so good to have support from people, and you want to go through it and you want to, you want to do that for them as well. You know, and the support I have. I was great all around the country and uh, every fans and even people don't even follow football. It was, it was, it was crazy and it, it was very, very important for me. How was it going back to training? Oh, it was, it was like Christmas, like 25 years ago, you know, when I was a kid and uh, everything was just unreal. You know, I think, I think we, I said that to the lads that when I first got first got there, you know, we we all know how fortunate we are to do, you know, the best job in the world, in my opinion. But I don't think we we realize how we take it for granted. You know, we go to training, we go to games, and we go home, and we think it's normal. But when you go, I don't want to be an old guy like, giving lesson to people and all that. I said that to them, but honestly, when you go through difficult moments, you you appreciate and realize how important it is to just go to training and. Even if the manager give you a bollock and you don't care, you're happy, you know, uh, because you miss all that, you know, and uh, and that's what I said to them. And going back to training, I will, it was it was the best day of my of, uh, one of the best day of my life for sure. In the grand scheme of things, it's not an awful long time ago you were diagnosed, but do you feel it's changed you massively, Jeff? Massively. Listen, I'm not, you know, I like to think I'm. I always try to do the right thing and enjoy myself and uh, and live my life a certain way. And always say to the kids to to enjoy the life and uh, and make sure they they, they do everything they they, they want to do. But when you get sick, it definitely change the way you see life and your perspective in the life as well. And uh, I have to say, similar, it was the same for me. You know, I see I see a lot of things differently, um, and I and, and I definitely think uh, you have to make the most of it now for sure. You know, with your your football career and getting to an age. Were you thinking about beyond football anyway, or were you thinking about I've I've got a couple of years more playing before you were diagnosed? Yeah, you know what, Jeff, you're right. I think um, before that happened, I was more looking, you know, to the next stage of my career because you know I'm getting old, you know. Um, but because of what happened now, I definitely want to enjoy a bit more. And if if I, if I can, I want to do another year. Obviously making sure it doesn't put me in danger. Uh, but the doctor already said, that, you know, if, if his can't come and he's all clear, because you've been so good through the treatment, there's no reason why you can't play another year. So if I can, I will definitely do another year. Uh, if not, I will look into to go down to management. Well, you're definitely looking fitter. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you lost it that minute. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that, I mean, that's the thing. You're waiting for your, your scan results. You still haven't got them back. And yet you have made an appearance already for Cardiff. Yeah, that's what gives me the confidence, Kelly, to be fair. And, you know, even going through the treatment, like I remember going to see the doctor 
just to check everything was okay before I do my, my any chemotherapy session. And they were saying, honestly, uh, we're not saying that to be nice or anything like that, but it's just crazy how you react to it because, you know, normally the more you do, the more you're tired and um, you, you go into the gym, you go you, you go for burn and you look, you actually physically look good. And, and I said, I feel good. You know, I honestly feel good. And uh, I went back training after my four, fourth chemotherapy session. I had, two, I had two more to go. And I remember I said to the missus, I will ask the doctor if she can let me go to training because I'm training at home anyway. And she was like, no chance. He won't let you do that. So I went to ask the doctor and I said, can I do it? And she said, yeah. And I was surprised. And she said, yeah, because you you feel good. As long as you listen to your body, uh, don't do too much, but you can go for a run with, you go for a run on your own anyway. So if you go for a run with your teammate, it, it will even be better for your mental, mental health as well. So I was buzzing. So, you know, she just, just the fact I can do that and still do chemotherapy, I think that was that, that gave me the strength to to to, to carry on doing an, another year next season and and give me the strength as well to try to come back before the end of the season. When was the decision made that you would be on the bench for the game? The decision was made on a Friday, but I spoke to the gaffer on the Monday, and uh, I said to the gaffer, "Listen, I've been training with you for months now. Um, I feel good," and he cut me right there. He said, "So I know what you're going to say." I talked about it. I, I spoke to the doctor already. Uh, they all they all give me the, the the green light. So you're probably going to be in the bench, but I'm going to make the decision on Friday. And and he said, listen, it's no favor. You've been good. You've been training good. And I know it's important for you for for, for you to come back before the end of the season. But I still want to win the game. Um, so I will pick the team to win the game, and I respect that. Um, so on a Friday, he came to me and he said, well you're going to be in the bench and maybe you can even play longer because I don't have any defenders. We had a low injury. Um, so he said, oh, how long you got? And I said, well, two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, well, maybe you will have to play a bit more. Um, so I said, listen, any, any minute you give me, I'll be happy. But uh, just the fact for me to be in the bench for me is a, is a, is a bonus anyway. So uh, we'll take it from there. But I was I was over the moon and all the family was very, very happy. And they, once again, the fans as well uh, were, were very happy and uh, that, gave me, that gave me a lot of confidence as well. Were you watching the clock ticking down? I was actually, yeah, I was because he promised me I would play. <laughs> so uh, when it was, um, when it was uh, uh, at the time and I was like, you know, Gaffa, maybe what he did, you know, but he turned around and he said to me, you tell me you got two minutes. So... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but just just coming on, you know, I know it was just I think a couple. It was twenty second, uh, but just the fact, you know, to like I said before, to be involved with the lads and to come on uh, is a victory for me anyway. So I was I was just I was just over the moon about it. Did you actually get to keep the ball? No, I told you that's the thing. I didn't. No, I, I came on. It was um, I think it was a throw in, and uh, Wolfram does long throw. So I came on, and the gaffer said, "Just go." And I can't swear, so I won't swear. Just go ahead, ahead the ball. So, <laughs> so I went in there in the box and I threw the ball, but it didn't come to me. And someone cleared it, and it was game over, you know. So I didn't actually touch the ball, but I was I, I was buzzing. I was absolutely buzzing. Yeah. I mean, it must have felt like a a really symbolic moment. I don't know. Maybe it hasn't sunk in as that yet. It, it, it was symbolic, uh, Kelly. I have to say, you're right. And you know what? Funny enough, I only played twenty second, but on the on, that was on the Saturday and on the Sunday morning I woke up and I was exhausted and I said that to the missus because I think it was mentally I think for me the whole week 
um, the fact I got involved and the, the, the low messages I received as well from support. It was a lot. It was a lot to take. And uh, on, a, on a Sunday, I was very, very tired. And I was relieved it was over. I was relieved I've done it. And, uh, and I needed a break. And I just played 20 seconds. Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> but like you said, it's probably not. I mean, it's almost certainly not the sort of physical exhaustion. It's just that, that culmination of the emotional and the, and the mental strain of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, that's what people need to realise. I think, you know, when you go some, through something like this, mentally it's tough. And you have, you have to be supported by, by family, friends. And, and I'm not going to sit here and say, like, I've done it all by myself. For me, you can't. If you don't have the support of friends and family, doctors and people around you, I don't think you can go through it. I think Jeff will know as well, you know, you, you went through a similar situation. It, the support from, from, from people around you is massive. Well, I think as well, you've got to recognise, and I'm sure you have already, that just I woke up Sunday morning and somebody sent me a text about you coming on and I just went, wow, oh. that's amazing. <laughs> but you are, without you probably realising just yet, you are what people are looking to now. People who are diagnosed with this illness today or tomorrow will be looking for positives and you are one massive positive. So, yeah, Welcome to the team <laughs> of, of survivors. <laughs> oh no, Jeff, you don't, you don't, no, you done so well as well. You know, we know, I, I know why you've been through, and you're positive for 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 all of us as well. You know, I think I, I don't see myself like that, Jeff. I have to be honest, but you're right. If you, if someone going through something like this, and he can look at us and said, "Oh, they went through it and they done it. Why can I not do it?" I think it's, 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 it's a win already, you know, and I, it was a similar situation for me looking at you, uh, looking at Cillian Petrov and, and, and the player who went through it. It's massive, you know, and like you said, I'm happy to be part of the club. So if people can look at uh, to me and, 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 and us and, and, and see us as, a, as a getting better is, uh, because we've done it, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a win already. And do you think this this new perspective that you've talked about Will that help you, do you think, going forward? Will it help you in, in a coaching career, potentially? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think even on my playing career, if I do another year, I think uh, I think the player would be more receptive when I will say something in a dressing room, I think, because of what I've been through. And and as a coach, it would definitely help me because, you know, I like to think, and I said that as a player uh, already anyway, I like to think when you, the job we do, the most important thing is to enjoy. I know it's, the win is massive. We have to win games. It's a business of, of, of resort. We know that. But for me, you can't do it without enjoying yourself. So, you know, uh, that'd, be, that'd be a massive part of my, of my coaching journey when I'm going to start, start it. Of course, you have to do everything tactically, physically and all that. But for me, the most important thing is to enjoy. It's true in life as well as football. Absolutely, yeah. Trust me, Kelly, I will enjoy life now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sol, thank you so much for coming on. It's just been lovely talking to you. Oh, no, pleasure is mine, Kitty. Thank you very much. Jeff, it's very good to see you. And you. Uh, lovely to be talking to you, mate. Um, I'm sorry I didn't reach out. I, I, no, I please, knew. don't be silly. No, 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 don't be silly. No, 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 no. because I, I've got to be honest, I'm getting older myself. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew the younger, the, the Carl Dekimis and the Stillian Petros are being touched. So he didn't want an old. No, listen, don't worry, don't, don't worry about it. The fact you're doing that already now is, 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 is good. And... Uh, I was dying to talk to you and I'm glad I did today. Well, 
Now you've said that, I'll be in touch. <laughs> oh, definitely. Please do. We've got things to do. <laughs> yes, for sure. <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Moment, brought to you by The Athletic. If you were affected by anything you heard in today's episode and would like to speak to someone in confidence, you can call the Samaritans for free anytime, day or night on 116123. Athletic.